Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Tonight, we're going to see wisdom get personal. Because wisdom is a person. Proverbs chapter 8 brings that out very clearly. So I'm going to read, we're just going to read the first 21 verses. Proverbs 8 Doth not wisdom cry, understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places by the way of the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in of the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For a mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips." All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that thou may be desired are not to be compared to it. I wisdom dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. I title this simply, The Call of Wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. And I pray, Father, look into the word of God tonight. I pray that, again, you would encourage us and challenge us and help us, Father, to uh, grasp the truths that you have for us, that you may be glorified and our life would be our lives would be helped and encouraged. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> the the call of wisdom, uh, wisdom is as we see here right at the beginning, verse first couple of verses. Wisdom is a clarion call. Now the word clarion means it's loud, it's clear, it's everywhere. Um. And he gives some description <clears throat> under under the wisdom of declaring God four things. It's 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 in high places. In uh, verse two, uh, verse one says, "Of course, doth not wisdom cry? Understanding put forth her voice." You know, it kind of reminds me. You know, if you've been to some of you've been to Williamsburg, and and if you've studied any um, colonial history, they ha- used to have what they call the town crier, and he would stand with a. With a, and with a loud voice, shout out some news or something that was going to happen that everybody needed to know about. You know, it was, he was a cry. He was called the town crier, and and that's the that's the picture here of wisdom crying and putting forth her voice. It's loud. It's clear. It's available to all. It's in the high places. 
In verse 2 he says, She standeth in the top of the high places. It's in high places. Of course, it's, and we think about high places, it's, it's not only is it, it's evident to all, of course, we know that, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. You know, day unto day of their speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. So it's in the heavens. But it can be to compared to like, you know, they say spiders are in king's palaces. So is wisdom. And so is the gospel. So is the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4.22 reminded that Paul, when he was a prisoner, prisoner writing to the church at Philippi, said, the day of Caesar's household saluteth thee. And, and, and the reason I say that is because wisdom here is personified as a person. And if you drop down to verses 23 through the end of the chapter, it's very evident who that person is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so wisdom is uh, in high places. Uh, Moses was a man of wisdom. He, had, he knew the Lord. He knew the one who is wisdom. Moses was described in Acts chapter 7 as a man mighty in word and deed. You know, the mighty monarch, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, came to understand, uh, came to be a man of or with wisdom. I believe, I believe that Nebuchadnezzar got saved in Daniel 4, in verses 34 through 37, after he spent some time as an in, insane man. He says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. My understanding returned unto me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? You know, he thought he could. Because, you know, he went out and boasted. Because he, he had this vision from God. And, and Daniel said, you're the vision. You're the tree that's going to be cut down. And then he turned around and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? And immediately, there's that voice came from heaven. And he was cut down. He became an insane man. He realizes now that none can stay God's hand or say, What are you doing? At the same time, it says, My reason returned unto me, verse 20, 36, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. My counselors, my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. You see, when he came to know the Lord, he got with it excellency. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol honor and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You see, wisdom is in high places. Mighty monarch. You know, God's people, you know, contrary to, to some thinking, God's people have always been educated people. People of under... Now, I guess education is really not the right, right word. But people of understanding that, that, that understand truth. Understand real life. They understand life. You know, education, just because you have education, education doesn't mean you're going to understand life. But, but they have, God's people are, have never been illiterate people. I could say it that way. Somebody has said it's impossible to enslave a Bible reading people. 
Uh, and we think about high places, well, you know, it makes me think of uh, people that are, have some understanding and some knowledge. You know, some people have this idea that only, you know, only Christians are stupid. I don't like that word stupid, but dumb enough to believe in creation. And they say that reputable scientists don't believe in creation. I beg to differ. There's been lots of reputable scientists who believed and taught evolution. Uh, Newton, Faraday, Maxwell, Boyle, Dave, Dalton, Ramsey, and I could go on and on and on. There's a, there's a whole list of them. Even modern today, there is a whole list of them. Uh, so it is in high places, but it's also wisdom is also in the common places. If you notice in verse, the end of that verse, verse two, it says, "By the way, in the places of the past, places of the past." That's kind of the places. A path is a place where people go, and so you know, he's in the common places also. You know, of Joseph of Nazareth in the carpenter shop. Now, again, it wasn't that Joseph was illiterate. You can't be a you can't be a very effective carpenter if you're illiterate. You have to know something about measurements. You have to know something about strengths of materials. I mean, um, you know, if you don't know anything about strengths of materials and you try to build a building, you'd be like the guy that, that we Nathan and I ran into. The guy had a... Um, he thought we were asking too much to build an addition onto his house, so he got somebody else to do it. And, and so after he got somebody else to do it, and the guy was trying to staple... Uh, um, uh, drywall taped to the wall and then mud over it because uh, he obviously didn't know what to do. You know, you have to put the mud on first and stick the tape in it. It doesn't stay there by itself. But anyway, he realized and he finally fired the guy and he asked us to come finish the job. And so uh, we get there and I looked up the roof. And this is a brand new building and it went like this, you know, like this from top to bottom. I said, Nathan, look at that roof. I think we've got a serious problem here. I mean, it hadn't been there two months. So we looked in the, the end of the eve there, and he put two before spanning 14 feet. You know, obviously he didn't have a skill. Two befores will not bear a load at 14 feet without some braces under it. Uh, no, you have, to know some, you have to have some skill. You know, it's like some people think that if you're a farmer, it doesn't require intelligence. Obviously, you've never farmed. Uh, does, duck, does bird farming, can you be the illiterate and be successful at that, Dave? Uh, obviously not. You know, it's never, you know, it's common in that everyone has some light, and, and of course, it's available to everyone, no matter what class you're in, whether you're in a high place or a low place, the wisdom is available to all. He's, he's also in the way of the places of the past. You know, everybody has, you know, even everybody has the light of nature and, of course, conscience that accuses or else excuses us, according to Romans chapter 2. So she's at the high places and in the way of the places of the past, so common places. Uh, And, of course, that speaks of uh, well-traveled paths, speaks of many also who have followed the way of wisdom. Now, sometimes we think, we get to thinking, there's just not many of us. Now, when we say not, wonder, not many, we, I do understand that we are the minority, and we've always been the minority. However, 
just because we're in the minority does not mean heaven's going to be sparsely populated. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. <clears throat> we aren't just a few that have believed the truths of the Word of God. Revelation 5, there's a scene in heaven. You know, some people, I think, have this idea. I talked to a man one time in Maine and uh, asked him about church attendance. He said, well, I don't like crowds. I said, well, I think you're going to feel out of place in heaven. Oh, you think there's going to be a crowd in heaven? I said, well, did you ever read Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11? Notice what it says. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. 10,000 times 10,000, if my math is correct, is 100 million. And then he adds to that, and thousands of thousands. Now, I don't know what that means. It could mean... You know, it could mean 100,000, or it could mean many more than that. In other words, but the idea, I believe, that John's trying to portray to us here is, it was a number that he couldn't number. A, num- a group of people he couldn't number. It could not be numbered. And these are in heaven. It, it, of course, it's speaking of angels, and the beasts, and the elders. And the elders represent, I believe, the saints of all ages here. So this, this is, these are, what we're saying is, there have been many who have, believed and accepted the truth, have embraced the wisdom of God. And, and notice also, they're from every part of the earth. Look at verse 9. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So they come from every part of the world. You know, we may be a minority, but we are not a deluded few. We're not a deluded few. And again, there's many people that are very educated that have embraced the wisdom of God. And I'll look at some of those a little bit later. So these are, when, when you talk about the way and the places of the path, notice he says paths, it's a well-traveled path. There are many that have gone this route, gone this way, received this truth. It is an open, this wisdom is an open invitation to all. Notice verse 3, She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Now, this is, to me, this is interesting. You know, God doesn't just put words on a page just to take space. You know, like sometimes, you know, when I write a paper at school, I just put in some filler to get the words, you know. And, you know, some, some, some students, you know, that do that, uh, even in Bible classes, they, they add words because it's got to be 200 words or whatever, you know. But, you know, God doesn't do that. He, he, and, but some of this is repetitious. And one of the things I heard, learned, that is repetition is the key to learning. You know, if you watch something long enough, you know how to do it. I remember the first time I pulled taffy. Now, some of you have no idea what pulling taffy is about, but we bilers enjoy doing it, but we enjoy eating it too much afterward. But it can be a sticky situation if it's not done right. And there is a trick to making it, but homemade taffy. But anyway, we used to do that every winter, our, the, we bilers at our house. And so we had a youth activity at our church growing up, 
And I never pulled taffy before. And so the pastor was there, and he said, he said, do you want to pull? And I said, well, I've never done it. He said, well, it's okay. Let's, let's try it. So we, we started doing it. He said, uh, do you get straight A's in school too? I said, no. He said, why? I said, why? Because he said, you look like you've done this before. I said, I, well, I've watched it a lot. So I knew the motions. There's a certain rhythm you've got to have to get that taffy to pull right, to get it to, 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 uh, to uh, um, stretch and, and form, and, you know, it has to be, it has to be uh, worked. But anyway, and so, you know, if, so repetition here is the key learning, but he says, you know, he says at the entrance of the, uh, he crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in the doors. It all refers basically to the same place. All these are places of entry that can be entered into. But the coming in at the doors speaks of a gate of hope. And so what we're seeing here is, this is an invitation to a place of hope. And it has reference to the Valley of Acre. Now, in Sunday school class, two weeks ago, we learned about the Valley of Acre. And that valley of Achor was where Achan was stoned, judged for his sin of taking that Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold and the silver. So it's a place of judgment, but it also, not only is it a place of judgment, but it also, that place also restored hope in Israel. That if they got the sin out of the camp, God again would dwell with them and empower them and strengthen them and give them the victory. So it was also, so when he says here, it, you know, it, 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 it speaks of a gate of hope. It's, it's a place where hope is restored and expectation that God is our help and our victory and he is our wisdom. Hosea 2.15 says, I will give her vineyards from thence in the valley of Acre for a door of hope. And she shall sing there. So if we, if, we, if, we, if we submit to the judgment of God and receive uh, that just judgment and repent, then we have hope. And that's the idea here. Uh, Isaiah 65.10 speaks of this also. It says, Sharon shall be a fold of flocks and the valley of Acre a place for the herds to light in for my people that have sought me. See, there's hope if we will... Seek him. If we will seek him. But we have to seek him. We have to understand that he is our hope and we have to seek him. So it is an open invitation to all this clarion call. But wisdom is also is the choice call. In verses 6 through 8, notice first of all that it is the way of excellence. Verse 6. Here. For I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Excellent things. The word excellent means noble, honorable things. Things that are right, pleasing, helpful, beneficial, edifying. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about our lips speaking things that are, that are helpful, edifying, uh, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, the use of edifying, they may minister grace unto the hearers. 
grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed. Again, talking about our communication. Whereby you're sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 4, 6 again says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer every man. That word grace there, your speech with grace, that word grace, grace means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. So our speech is to be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And salt promotes healing, it, it creates a thirst, and it also preserves. And we're to speak with, have our speech with pleasure or sweetness or charm or loveliness, seasoned with that which promotes healing and preserves. You know, we're to do it with salt, not with pepper. You know, I remember when I was living in Allensville, soon after we were married, I was working in a metal fabrication shop, doing a lot of welding and, and pipe bending and stuff like that. And, and uh, there was another guy, an Amishman, that started a business similar to ours across the valley. Of course, it was only like, three miles away, by the way, the crow flies. But there was, seemed to be plenty of business. But anyway, and a, a, a guy came to our shop one day, and he was talking to the boss, and he was, they were, I don't know, evidently were saying something about him, and, he, and this guy was known to be, uh, um, evidently, I didn't know him, but evidently he wasn't very pleasant. And, and he, said, he said, yeah, the Bible says we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, but I think he's the pepper. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, no, we're, we're, we're to speak excellent things, things that are pleasing, that promote healing and, and preser- preservation. Uh, of course, verse 7 talks about truth. My mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness and abomination to my lips. Uh, so we're to speak truth, and again, contrary, there's a lot of contrast in Proverbs. Contrary to wickedness, and the word wickedness here speaks of falsehood or fraud or lies. Uh, we're to speak that which is righteousness. Verse 8, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing pervert, forward or perverse in them. So when he speaks my mouth, all my words of my mouth are in righteousness. In other words, I have a right motive for my words. I am, have a pure motive. There's, there's no forwardness or perverseness in what I'm saying. I don't have an agenda. You know, Balaam had an agenda. He was a prophet for hire. And God said, your way is perverse. It's forward. It, it wasn't just that he went. It was his motive for going. He was in it for the money. And so, so, and so everything, you know, it didn't matter what Balaam did. His way was corrupted because he was a prophet for hire. He was a prophet for hire. You know, Psalm 32 two says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile, no pretense, uh, no hidden agenda. Psalm 34.13, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. And of course, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 2.22, it says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So he... he he spoke of excellent things. So it is the way of excellence. It is also the received way. If you notice in verse 9, 
They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. The word find is the key to understanding this verse here. The word find means to acquire, or to receive, or to obtain. So to him that find, it says, they are plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find, or acquire, or receive the knowledge. So when a person is open and receptive to the word of the Lord, there will be understanding. You know, the reason people can't understand, or don't think, you know, they have this idea that, that uh, maybe the word of God is, is not always right, or they're not open to it, uh, or they have not found the person or obtained the person of wisdom. Uh, you, you notice again, they are plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find or obtain or acquire knowledge. And if you notice in verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. So these things, if, if God hates these things, and if these things are in our life like they were in Balaam, Balaam couldn't under, seem to understand them. What was wrong with his going? You know, he wanted to go. And he was looking for a way to justify his going. You know, after all, counsel is the Lord's. Wisdom is the Lord's. And so when we persist in our own way, or we're not receptive of the word of God, we become like the man in James who's a hearer and not a doer. And we can look in the mirror in the morning and go away and forget about what we look like the rest of the day. But see, to the born-again person, to the man who seeks or finds or acquires wisdom, the Word of God is of more value than anything else in life. You see, the problem with Balaam was the gold appealed to him more than obeying the Lord. Or he wouldn't have asked a second time. God should only have to say no one time. It's like when you tell your child no, and they turn around and ask you again, does it irritate you a little bit? Yeah. Why? Because it means they're, maybe they're not openly and outwardly really that defiant, but what really they're saying is, I don't want to obey what you just said. But see, to the, to the person who's acquired wisdom, the word of God is of more value than gold. It's more precious than rubies. It's more important than self. And, and it, for it gives to us the powers of, of, of imagination to improve our life. Look at verse 12. This is an interesting verse, I think. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Now, I think of somebody that's witty. I think of Bobby, Pastor Bobby Mitchell. He's kind of witty, you know. I mean, um, I'm trying to remember what he said one time when he was here. Oh, he said, well, you people around here are really ruthless. You know, this was when, it was the time around the time that they were on George Bush about the waterboarding they did to to the Al-Qaeda terrorists that were captured around 9-11. You know, they did waterboarding to them to get information and so on and so forth. 
you know, and of course that was torture. But anyway, he said, man, you people around here really, really ruthless. I saw a sign down here that said horse boarding. <laughs> Only Bobby Mitchell would think of something like that, you know. But, you know, that's what I think of witty inventions. But, you know, when, when we're talking about witty inventions, it is, it is talking about using your imagination, God-given imagination, to, to, to invent things that improve living. Whoever, whoever, I was thinking, I'm trying to remember what it was, something we picked up the other day, and, and, uh, and I said, oh, you know, it was something so simple and yet so ingenious. And, you know, if only I did invent that thing, I could have made the millions off of it, you know. Uh, but, you know, somebody thought of that. And, and, you know, God's people have used their imaginations that God has given them and come up with many things. You start looking, if you, you do a search on the people that have in, come up with things to improve life in, in the world, and, and you're going to find that there's a lot of Christians and a lot of Jews. A lot of Jews. And, the, and in that, of course, a lot of that goes back to their belief in God. Uh, in Exodus chapter 31 Verses 3 through 6, it says, and speaking of Bezalel and Aholiab here, uh, it says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Notice, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Holiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all those that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. You start, if you would do a, 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 a look up the, the furnishings of the tabernacle, there was some very intricate, detailed workmanship involved in that. The curtain itself, they took gold and cut it into wires, and threaded, used it for thread, interwoven in that veil. And that kind of blows my mind, how, how they did that. It took some genius, that's all I can say. Where'd they get that wisdom? You know, in the, in the, the lantern, you know, the lantern is a, is a kind of, you know, and we, we think, well, that's something you know, we can only make modern day. You, know, you again, go to Williamsburg and look at the decor on some of the houses. And then we think we have good carpenters today. Yeah. Uh, no, see, God gives. God gives. Many of the inventions, the things that help, have helped us, even in the fields of medicine and, and science, have come through uh, men who had who believed in God, believed in divine creation, you know, antiseptic surgery, Joseph Lister. Uh, calculus, Isaac Newton. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
the airplane, the White Brothers, of course, Alpha and Beta Rays, Ernest Rutherford, the Amper, Andrew Amper, Anthrax, Robert Cope, and, and uh, Bacteria, and, and Protozoa, I guess that's how you say it. I guess I'd have to ask the nurse that one. Uh, and I can't even pronounce the guy's name. But the Barometer, Blaze Paschal, the Bulldozer, R.G. Letourneau. By the way, R.G. Letourneau was a man that said he was going to give 90% of his income to the Lord's work. He was a wealthy man, too. Uh, anyway, uh, Bunsen burner, Michael Faraday, the calculating machine, Charles Baggage, Babbitt, Babbage, Chloroform, James Simpson, electric battery, Alessandro Volta, electric motor, Joseph Hendry, the electric wheel, R.G. Letourneau, electric magnetic fields, Michael Faraday, electrons and isotopes, the kaleidoscope, David Brewster, law of gravity, Isaac Newton, and I could go on and on and on. Uh, petroleum distillation. That's how you got here tonight. Your petroleum was broken down. Benjamin Sealwin. And these were, these were people that believed in God, believed in creation. And they have come up with witty inventions. Witty inventions. One of them said, one of them said, let's see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, jo- Johannes Kepler one of the fathers of modern astronomy and discoverer of the laws of planetary motion, said this, quote, I was merely thinking God's thoughts after him. Since we astronomers are priests of the highest guard in regard to the book of nature, it benefits us to be thoughtful, not of the glory of our minds, but rather, above all else, the glory of God, unquote. He said, I was merely thinking about God. He was thinking about God. Um, and so, you know, it, it gives powers of imaginations to improve our lives. Notice thirdly, it is the way of counsel. Verse 14 through 16, it says, Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. Uh, so the, way of count, the word counsel here means the faculty of forming plans. Now a plan, basic, basically a plan is a method of doing. So, you know, we, we have a method of doing. And what he's saying is, counsel is mine. In other words, God is the plan. God is the plan. The, the plan or the method of doing, God said, is mine. It's mine. You know, the plan of salvation is God's. It wasn't ours. It wasn't ours. It was his. And the method is his. plan for marriage is his. He designed it. A plan for child training is his. And if you work it like his, like he says, his plan, it works. Uh, the method of working, a work ethic, comes from the Lord. We're to do our work as not unto men, but as to the Lord. So, if we're going to do it as if we're doing it to the Lord, that means we're going to do it honorably. We're going to earn our wages. We're not going to be poor learners, poor loiners, that's loafing or stealing on the job. 
as Titus talks about. We're not going to be just men-pleasers. You know, there, there are those who only work when the boss is around. No. Uh, the, the idea or method of ruling, verse 15 and 16, by me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. You see, God sets up kings and, and rule kings, and he says, by me kings reign and decree justice. You know, Nebuchadnezzar said after he was restored to his throne, God gave him his throne back, and he acknowledged that God ruled in affairs of heaven. And he said that excellent majesty was given unto me. You know what? He learned to rule his kingdom like he didn't know how before. And you know what? The whole thing about that whole story is, the amazing thing is to me is that he didn't lose his kingdom during that time. Because normally, in heathen kingdoms, if a king is insane, somebody else takes the throne. And he never gets it back. I mean, that is very, very unusual. And it's believed that he was seven years that way. Because it says seven times passed over him. But yet, you see, what that shows is, God rules in the affairs of men. Counsel is his. And nobody's going to say, what doest thou? I mean, you can if you want, but to your own peril. You see, he says, the plan is mine. The plan is mine. The way to riches and honor. The plan is his. Again, verse uh, 18. Verse 17 and 18. I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. Again, it talks about those that are inquiring or seeking him. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. Those that, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. Now, notice he says here, Durable riches and righteousness. If if we get our riches unjustly, we're going to leave them to somebody else. And they're going to flee us. But if, if we get our riches by honor and truth, God says they're durable riches. They are riches that will benefit. You know, it, we aren't talking here just about money. We're talking about things that last for all eternity. You know, because when a man loves wisdom, he invests his riches for the glory of God. And there are eternal benefits, not just temporal ones. Notice, notice verse 21 that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. That speaks of things that will last. You know, nothing in this world lasts. It all corrupts. But st- so speaking of eternal riches, eternal riches. You see, and so he is, he is the method to true riches and honor. There's a lot of people who got a lot of riches. 
but with it disgrace. They're not liked because they got it by, it was ill-gotten gain. And so, you know, this is the call to wisdom. God is wisdom. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into this but tonight, but we'll look at this rest of this chapter next, next week. But wisdom is eternal. It's eternal. And that's what the rest of the, rest of the chapter talks about. The uh, Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Before his wor- works of old, I was set up from everlasting. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is. And of course, Coloss- or, or Corinthians tells us he has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. And so, God calls us to, to, to wisdom. And he is the plan. He's the counsel. It's his. It's all of him. It's all of him. And if we want to have lives that are improved over the world, that are better than the world, it, our counsel has to come from him. It comes from him because he is the plan. He is the method. He's the right method. The method that works. That brings glory and honor and true, eternal riches. And so, wisdom calls, but we need to acquire and receive it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement it gives to us and the challenge it gives to us. And help us understand, Father, that everything we have uh, is of you. It's all by the grace of God. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us just to continue to rest in your promises, to believe your word, to heed your counsel and your instruction, that we might continue to walk with you, to have our lives improved as you desire, as we learned Sunday night, that we might continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of thee and be more conformed to the image of your Son. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.